Two weeks ago, we began on Easter Sunday talking about what would it mean to live our lives with the revelation that God was for us and not against us. And we began to just talk about how that would really begin to change our lives, how that every area of our life really would be radically changed if we could just get that one revelation that God is for us and not against us. The fact that God today in heaven is fighting for you really ought to change the way we live our lives. Amen? So this morning we're going to just look at our foundational scripture, the book of Romans chapter 8. And uh, we're going to read uh, some scripture together this morning. The Bible says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, the Bible says, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Amen. If God is for us, then who can ever be against us. Amen. Let's look at our first point together, just revisit a couple thoughts together. We said that God chose us, God called us, God made us, and God gave us everything that we need to live a victorious life through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. God is for us and not against us. He is literally fighting for you. And so we talked about how that God has given us everything that we need to live a victorious life. Everything that we need to be the person and do the things that God has called us to do has already been accomplished through the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we asked the question a couple weeks ago. We said, if God's done everything that needs to be done for us to live a victorious life, then why are so many Christians living way below the standard of what God has purchased for them? And we answered that question together over the last couple weeks, and we said it really does come down to one word, and that one word is faith. Faith is the thing that seemingly either enables us or disconnects us from experiencing what God has for us. And we, we said that faith is the foundation stone upon which God does everything. Everything that God does in you, Everything that God does for you and everything that God does through you, God does by faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God because they that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So we understand this morning that everything that happens in our lives supernaturally and spiritually is a direct result of faith or a lack of faith that robs us of the potential of Christ. We remembered together last week that God doesn't respond to need, God responds to faith. And we talked about how that many people actually get offended at God because they give God their need and they give God their need and they give God their need and God doesn't seem to do anything. And the reality is, is God is not looking for your need, God is looking for your faith. And when you give God your faith, God works through your faith to meet your need and begin to work in your life. And then the last point that we talked about last week is we said, if we can back up to that last screen, we said that uh, we are all living our lives to the level of our faith. We are all living our lives to the level of our faith. So you are actually living your life 
at the level of faith that you have in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to think about something this morning. I want you to think about the fact that if you want to raise the level of your living, you have to raise the level of your faith. If you want to go to a new level of living, when I say a new level of living, I'm not necessarily talking about a bigger house and a nicer car. I'm talking about a new level of living your life in Christ, a new level of walking in what God has purposed for you, a new level of living the life that God intended you to live. If you want to go to a new level of life in Christ, you've got to go to a new level of faith. And so today and next Sunday, over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how do we raise the level of our faith, and we're going to talk about what we're calling just two expressions of faith. And I'm going to give you the first expression of faith today. And I believe this. I believe that when we begin to understand the expressions of faith, that we can begin to understand how to raise the level of our faith and ultimately raise the level of our living in our lives. So the first expression of faith, let's look at it on the screen together, is that faith speaks. Faith speaks. The first expression of faith is that faith speaks. Your words are literally an expression of your faith and the confession of your mouth determines the manifestations in your life. Faith speaks. Your words are an expression of your faith. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is the consistent confession of your faith that will determine the manifestation or the outcome of your life. See, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's in your heart, then listen to what consistently comes out of your mouth. Because what consistently comes out of your mouth is an accurate reflection of what is living and breathing and abiding in your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I use the word consistent because that really is significant. Because I want you to think about this for a minute. All of us, on occasion we'll have a positive confession, right? Every now and then we'll all say something good, and then every now and then we'll all say something negative, right? Aren't you glad you're not a little kid getting in trouble right now? <laughs> Praise God. All right, so let's think about this. It is that consistent confession of faith that changes. All of us will occasionally say something negative, and all of us occasionally will say something positive, right? You'll just do that accidentally. So it's not the accidental or the occasional confessions of faith that change your life. It is the consistent confession of faith that changes or dictates the course or the manifestation of your life. And when you listen to the consistent words that come out of your mouth, it really does reveal the condition of your life. And the reality is, is all of us are right now experiencing the life that we have spoken into existence. All of us right now are experiencing the life that we have spoken into existence. Now let's just do this real quick. How many of you uh, know a really negative person? Don't look at anybody, but if you know a really negative person, raise your hand, right? right? We all, all, don't look at your spouse, just look straight ahead. All right, so if you know a really negative person, think about it for just a minute. That negative person says stuff like this, man, nothing ever works out for me, nothing ever goes my way, everybody's against me, life's against me, the world's against me, God's against me, and man, nothing ever goes my way, nothing works out for my good, I'm always behind, everything breaks, man, nothing I, nothing I buy ever works. You ever heard those negative statements? Now think about it. The people that say those things, their lives, their lives match their words. Think about it. 
They say it never works, I can't do anything, nothing works my way, nothing goes my way, nothing ever goes good for me. And look at their life. You know what? Their life matches almost to a perfect T the exact confession of their mouth. Now flip the coin. How many of you know a positive person? If it's your spouse, look at them and say, oh, you're so positive. If not, just keep looking straight ahead, right? So if you know a positive person, think about it. The positive person, man, they say, man, I'm, I'm, no matter what happens, it always works out for my good. I'm the head. I'm not, I'm not the tail. I'm the top. I'm not the bottom. Man, whatever I do prospers, and God blesses me, and I got favor when I go in and favor when I go out. And you know what? If you look at that positive confession person's life, you know what? It almost perfectly matches. It matches the words that are coming out of their mouth. That positive person, now that doesn't mean the positive person doesn't have bad things happen, but you know what it does mean? It means when bad things happen, somehow that positive person ends up turning it around and it always works for their good. Now the negative person, it doesn't matter how many good things happen to them, it always turns around and works for their evil instead of their good, right? See, the reality is the confession of your mouth determines the manifestation of your life. Why? Because the Bible says this in the book of Proverbs. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now I want you to look together in Romans chapter 10. The Bible says this. So remember, faith speaks. The first expression of faith is that faith speaks. The Bible says this, but the righteousness of faith, what's that next word? Y'all say it out loud. But the righteousness of faith, faith speaks. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Look at the next verse. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So Paul says this. He says, you know what? The word of faith, the word of faith does not say who's going to go to heaven and bring Jesus down to earth, who's going to ascend into the, into the grave and raise him up from the grave. No, the word of faith says that the word is in your mouth and in your heart. That if we will believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be saved, right? The word of faith is in your mouth. Let me just say this to you today. Your victory is in your mouth. Your healing is in your mouth. Your deliverance is in your mouth. Your breakthrough is in your mouth. Your, your restoration is in your mouth. The recovery of your family is in your mouth. It is in your mouth. Let's look at the rest of this verse. Look at the next verse 10. It says, For the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word salvation in the Greek is an awesome word. It's kind of like a smorgasbord of every good thing that God has, right? The word salvation in the Greek means to be saved. It means to be delivered. It means to be rescued. It means to be set free. It means to be healed. And it means to be blessed. I mean, it's kind of like every good thing God can give you. He's kind of wrapped up in this one little word. And the Bible says that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, it is that confession of faith that manifests, that manifests in your life the work of God's great salvation. Now think about this for a minute. I mean, just, just contemplate a little thought with me. How many of you understand 
that there are a lot of people who have believed in Christ, but they have yet to confess that Jesus is Lord. I mean, I mean, just think about your own life. That The truth is, probably before you ever confessed Christ as your Savior, you had already believed He was Savior. Right? You had already believed in your heart that He was the Son of God and He was the only way to heaven. But you know what? For some people it takes a while. Sometimes they believe in their heart, but there's a season there before they ever come to a place of really confessing with their mouth. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually says the devil believes that there is a God. Amen? And he knows that Jesus is the Son of God, but you know what he hadn't done? He hadn't confessed that he's Lord. So think about this. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I meet people all the time that believe in God, but they're not saved. They're not going to heaven. They're not set free from their sin. They're not walking in victory and the power of God. You know why they're not walking in the victory and the power of God? You know why they're not saved from their sins? You know why they're not going to heaven? It's not because they don't believe. It's because they've never confessed that Jesus is Lord over their life. Because it is that confession that manifests your faith and brings forth the fruit of God's salvation. It brings forth the fruit of our salvation. Let's look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke the world into existence, right? I want to just submit to you today that the Bible says you were created in the image and likeness of God. That there is creative power in your words. You have the capacity and the ability by the Spirit of God living in you to speak life or death. I believe your world will be framed by the words that you speak. Your world will be framed by the words that you speak. Now the problem with most people is that most of us, even as Christians, most people say what they see instead of declare what God says. Now, just think about God. Just think about that for a minute. In the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that darkness covered the face of the deep, and God saw the darkness, and God said, let there be light. What would have happened if God would have said what he saw? Now imagine this. God's in creation. Darkness has covered the face of the deep, and God looks out there, and God says, boy, it's dark out there. Boy, it's really dark out there. If God would have said what he saw, nothing would have changed. But God didn't say what he saw. God said what he wanted. God wanted light, so God spoke light into existence. God saw the darkness, but he said, let there be light. Most people look at their life and they say, boy, it's dark out there. Boy, my family's really struggling. Financially, we're never going to get ahead. Nothing good ever happens to us. Man, things just go from worse to worse to worse. We're jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Man, and I tell you what, I don't know if things ever going to get better. You ever hear people talk? You ever listen to yourself? Isn't it amazing how we say what we see instead of say what God says, what we want to see happen in our lives? The worlds are framed by the Word of God. Let me give you a thought right here. I want you to see this. A confession of faith is not just saying what you want. A confession of faith is saying what God says. Because faith agrees with God. Faith agrees 
with God. A confession of faith is not just saying, I want to lose 20 pounds and look really good. No, that's, that's not a bad confession of faith, right? But how many of you know it's more than that? It's not about just saying, I want a bigger house and a nicer car. It's about saying what God says. It's about agreeing with God. Faith agrees with God. A confession of faith is a confession that agrees with the Word of God. Now, if you'll look on the back of your outline, and I'm going to borrow one of y'all's, Jessica. If you look on the back of your outline, you're going to see a little confession of faith. We've been using this for a really long time. This has been a part of our family since our kids were in elementary school. And uh, we used to say this every day before we started school. And here it is. This is what it says. I'm the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom, the first and not the last. I have a spirit of excellence and whatever I do will prosper and I will have good success. I will shine as a light in the darkness and I will glorify Jesus Christ in all that I say and all that I do. I will live for Jesus because he lives in me. By his stripes I am healed. I will grow and I will become all that God has created me to be. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I am a soul winner, a disciple maker. And everywhere I go I destroy the works of the devil and build the kingdom of the most high God. A confession of faith, amen, agrees with God. A confession of faith agrees with God. And so understand something. I want you to think about this for a minute. Anything that agrees with God is faith. Anything that disagrees with God is sin. Anything that agrees with God is faith. Anything that disagrees with God is sin. Now think about that in just a real practical sense. If you do something God says don't go, don't do, that's sin, right? If you act the way God says don't act, that's sin. Well, I want to take it home a little bit further. If you say something that God doesn't say, that's sin. Because the simplest definition of sin is simply this. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. So God's word is God's standard for your life. And when God says you're healed and you say I'm sick, you just miss the mark. You just sin. When God says you're blessed and you say I'm poor, you just miss the mark. You just sin. When God says you're the head and not the tail and you say I'm defeated and discouraged, you just miss the mark and you just sin. That's a powerful way. Think about that. Our words are causing us to sin because we are, we are disagreeing with God. With the confession of our mouth, we are agreeing with our circumstances, agreeing with our feelings, or agreeing with the devil. But when we disagree with God, it is sin. We are coming short of God's glory. God says he's a God of restoration and redemption. And every time you say my family's falling apart and there's no hope for us, you just sin. You just came short of the glory of God. There is victory in Christ. There is power in Christ. There is triumph in Christ. But we have to agree with God. Let me give you 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, For all, the pro all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, look at this next little word, O-U-R, R, amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ. So think about this for a minute. All the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ. So when I accept Christ, I now have access to all the promises of God. If all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ, when I accept Christ, now I have access 
to all the promises of God. All the promises of God are in Him, yes. But look what the Scripture says. It says that our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. God needs your amen. What does that mean? It means that we come into agreement with God. That we say yes Lord. Yes about your promise. Yes about your provision. Yes about your favor. Yes God. I say yes God. Every time you say yes, when you come into agreement with the Word of God, you are saying yes and amen to God's promise. And God needs your yes. So let me tell you why. It is your yes it is your agreement with God's Word that brings the manifestation of that Word in your life. It brings the manifestation of that Word. Until you agree with God, that Word is available, but it's not practical in your life. It's not yet been manifested. It's been purchased, but not yet been manifested in your life until you say yes and amen, until you get into agreement with God's word, it is through that agreement of faith that you access that promise and it becomes a reality. Let me give you a couple other scriptures. Colossians chapter 2 says, For in him, speaking of Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body, and you are complete. That word complete means literally lacking nothing. You are complete. You are lacking nothing in Christ who is the head of all principality and power. Let me tell you something great about Jesus. Jesus has triumphed over sin, self, and Satan. He has, he has triumphed. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And there is no sin. There is no shame. There is no shackle that can hold him down. Amen. Anybody believe that Jesus has triumphed? completely over sin, Satan, and shame. Well, guess what? You are complete in Him. His victory is your victory. So why aren't you triumphing over sin? Why aren't you triumphing over the temptations of the enemy? Why aren't you conquering the works of the enemy that are coming against your life? Why are you still living as a slave of sin when you're the son and the daughter of the Most High God? Let me tell you why. Because of the confession of your faith. See, we say stuff like this. Well, I was once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Man, I done messed my life up so bad there ain't no way to turn it around. I done made too many mistakes to ever make anything right. I've done went down too low to ever come back up. I done made, I done dug too deep of a hole, I'll never get out of it. I guess I'll always be this way. It is the confession of our faith that's keeping us bound in our sin. Because every time you say you are still a slave of sin, then you give power to that sin to rule your life. But when you begin to understand that you're not a slave of sin, you are the son and the daughter of the Most High God, and you are complete in Christ, lacking nothing, there is power over sin, self, and Satan, and you can live triumphant in Christ. Amen? Let me give you one more verse. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. How many of y'all believe Jesus rose from the dead? 
How many know the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives in you? You have resurrection power. You're not a slave of sin. You are not defeated by the enemy. You are not a victim of your circumstance. You are a child of the Most High God, and there is resurrection power in you. The same Spirit that conquered death, hell, and the grave lives in me and you. See, the lie of the enemy is that you're always going to be the way you were. That's a lie. But as long as you agree with the enemy, you stay bound in the lie instead of experiencing the liberty of the truth of Jesus Christ. Let me give you another thought. Faith. Faith calls those things which do not exist as though they do. Faith doesn't deny reality. It chooses to believe in a greater reality that has been established by God and His Word. Faith calls those things which do not exist as though they do. Let's look together in the book of Romans. Romans 4, 17 says this, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's God speaking. In the presence of Him whom He believed, which was God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is the story of Abraham where God looked at Abraham who was almost 100 years old. His wife Sarah was barren. She was unable to have children and God looked at Abraham and said you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have children like the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore and the Bible tells us that what was, what was impossible with man became possible with God. And look what the Bible says about God. It says God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God doesn't say what He says. He says what He wants to see. God doesn't say what He says. He says what He wants to see. And you were created in the image and likeness of God. We've got to stop saying what we have and start declaring what He says we have. Amen? Abraham was a barren man with no children. And God said, you're the father of many nations. He actually changed his name from Abram to Abraham so that every time somebody called his name they say hey father of many nations 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 what was he doing he was building his faith why because every time he introduced himself he'd say hey my name is father of many nations what are you saying about yourself what are you speaking over your life what are you speaking over your children What are you speaking over your future? What are you speaking over your destiny? Are you saying what you got? Oh, I'm barren. I'm fruitless. I'll never have any children. Are you declaring who God says you are? Faith calls those things that do not exist as though they do. God does not deny reality. God believes in a greater reality. How many know there's a greater reality than what you see? There is a realm called the realm of the Spirit. It is a supernatural realm that trumps everything in the natural realm. It is greater than the natural realm. And there is a realm that is greater. There is a greater reality than what you can see with your eyes and touch with your hands. It is called the realm of the Spirit. And by faith, we operate in that Spirit realm. Amen? Let me give you a couple scriptures. Psalms 119 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens forever your word is settled in the heavens God hadn't changed his mind amen let's look at our next scripture Hebrews 6 says 
So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence because we hold to the hope that lies before us. Let's look at our next verse. God is not a man, Numbers 23, so he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? One more verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 17 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more. Do you hear what Paul's saying? Now, when Paul says, my light affliction, you need to go home and read the beginning of this chapter because his light affliction was this. It was, it was being beaten with rods 39 times. It was being beaten to the point that he was left for dead. It was being shipwrecked in the ocean. It was being betrayed by his own countrymen and being betrayed by other people. It was being hungry and naked and thirsty for the gospel. It was being imprisoned Because he had dared to name the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, oh, those light afflictions? (laughs) You talk about a good confession. Those light afflictions, look what he says. Those light afflictions, which are but for a moment, is working for us. Sounds like he knew what Romans 8 says, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He knew what it said because he wrote it, by the way. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The beginning of that verse says, back up one more time real quick. He says, therefore we do not lose heart. Now this is why we don't lose heart. Next verse, here it is. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Last verse, we're going to move on. For we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. Paul said, you know what, we're not losing heart, we're not giving up, we're not throwing in the towel. Why? Because what was intended to stop us has empowered us and it's working in us for a greater glory that God's going to show out in my life. What a confession. My light affliction is working for me. You want to kill me, just go ahead and kill me because to die is to gain and to live is to Christ. That's what Paul said. He knew how to speak the word. Amen. He knew how to declare boldly and confidently what God said about him, even in the midst of unfavorable circumstances. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Let me give you one last thought. We're going to hang out here for a few minutes. If we believe that God is for us and not against us, we can confess God's word over our lives even when we don't fully believe what he says. Now, I want to explain that to you. The reality is that one truth can open the door for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in your life. And I want want to propose to you today that that one truth I believe that can change everything is the simple truth that God is for you and not against you. If you can wrap your heart around it, if you can believe that God is for you and not against you, if you can believe that God is for you and not against you, that one simple belief, that one confession of faith 
opens the door for us to begin to move into a whole other realm. Now let me give you a scripture here out of John chapter 8. John chapter 8, 31 and 32, the Bible says, Then Jesus spoke to those Jews which believed on him, and he said, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now let's go on just a few more verses because this conversation continues on. And in the midst of this conversation, Jesus ends up addressing the religious leaders of that time that did not believe in him. And he says, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Look at the next verse. He says, you are of your father the devil and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resource, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now look at verse 45. But because I tell you the truth, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Now, now let's go back to that point on our outline. If, if you believe that God is for us and not against us, if you believe that, you can confess God's word over your life even when you don't fully believe all that he says. Now let me, let me, let me elaborate. How many of you understand uh, that there are times when we hear truth and we know it's truth, but we just can't seem to believe it? Right? I mean, have you ever come to church and heard one of those messages, you know, and you're like, man, that was awesome, and man, I know that's truth, and it's going to change my life forever, and then Monday comes. You know it's truth, but you can't believe the truth. That's exactly what Jesus said in John 8, 45 to the religious leaders. He said, I tell you the truth, but you don't believe it. And the reason they didn't believe it was because of John 8, 44. Because they had been deceived by the devil who is the father of lies. And if you believe a lie, you begin to live a lie. And so they had believed a lie of the enemy. And that lie had robbed them of the ability to believe truth. And so even when they heard truth, they knew it was truth. But they couldn't believe it because that lie had so saturated their life. How many of you understand that when you believe a lie, it begins to infiltrate every area of your life? It doesn't just stay compartmentalized in one area of your life. Let's just talk about the lies that we believe about ourselves. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're not worth anything. Nobody loves you. Nobody ever cares about you. And your life will never matter. Those are some lies people believe. And if you believe one of those lies, you know what happens? That lie that undermines your identity and your value in Christ, it doesn't just affect your relationships with other people. It affects how you parent your children. It affects how you handle your money. It affects how you serve God in the church. It affects the kind of career that you will choose for your life. Because if you believe you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, and nothing you do really matters... That lie will saturate every arena of our life. And the only way to displace a lie is to replace it with truth. And so uh, I've got a little sermon illustration here. So I've got this glass, and we're going to say this glass represents our lives. And inside this glass, uh, I've got some Coke. Nothing against Coke, but we're going to let Coke represent sin. 
not actually sin. We're going to let Coke represent the lies that we have believed. So many people's lives look like this. Their lives are filled with lies. Lies of them, lies about their identity, lies about their purpose, lies about their value, lies about their worth, lies about their family, lies about their future, and we have believed lies. Because how many of you understand every day we are being bombarded with the lies of the enemy? And so this glass looks like many people's lives that are full of the lies of the enemy. But the only way to displace the lie is you've got to replace it with truth. But now here's the challenge, and this is what I want you to see. I want you to understand that occasional truth will not eradicate the lie. See, you would think, common sense in my mind would say, well, if I had a glass full of lies, then a glass full of truth would combat that, and it would change my life for good. But I want you to see what happens when you are only confronted with occasional truth. When you begin to get confronted with occasional truth and you begin to interject the lie, the truth into the lie, all of a sudden it, it, it breaks down the lie, but it doesn't actually remove it. And that's why you can come to church and hear a really good sermon and think, man, I'm going to conquer the world, and then Monday morning comes and you're right back to the way you always used to be. Because an occasional interjection of truth does not have the ability to eradicate the lie. And the reason it doesn't have the ability to eradicate the lie is because that lie has permeated every area of your life. And not only has it permeated every area of your life, but every day of your life, you're being poisoned with new lies. Right? You go to work and your boss says, man, you're no good. I don't even want you to work here anymore. And the devil says, you're never going to amount to anything. You go home and your wife or your spouse or your husband or your kids criticize you and talk about how you didn't do this and how you didn't do that. And all of a sudden the devil says, see, I told you so. You're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. And every day we're constantly being poisoned by the lies. And so we have to understand, if you go back to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, on John chapter 8, Jesus made this statement. Jesus said this, he said to the Jews which believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what has to happen is not an occasional input of truth, there has to be a continual influx of truth into our lives. There has to be a continual flow of truth that is constantly coming in our lives. And when we are consistently confessing truth over our life and speaking truth over our life and ingesting the Word of God over our lives, all of a sudden the truth begins to eradicate and displace the lies. And before you know it, our lives become filled with truth. But it takes that continual flow. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, you are my disciples. And then he said this, and then he said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word for know is not intellectual understanding. The word for know is experimental knowledge. Now all of you guys can see the truth. But I just experienced it. And it's the experimental knowledge of truth when it becomes a part of you that it changes you. And it transforms you into the person God wants you to be. It's not enough to come to church on Sunday morning and hear a good word and sing a few great songs. We have to continue in the word. And it's not enough that we read the word. We've got to begin to speak the word 
over our lives because the confession of our faith dictates the manifestations of our lives. Stephen asked the question during worship earlier, what do you believe in God for? I want to take it a step further. What are you confessing over your life? What are you confessing over your life? Because you can be believing for the right thing and confessing the wrong thing, and guess what you get? You get what you confess, not just what you believe. Belief without confession never comes to maturity. Belief with confession manifests the salvation of God in your life. 